Today we're picking up again in our study of the Gospel of Luke. Today we move into the 19th chapter. And we're looking this morning at the second of three accounts that occur as Jesus stands just some 25 miles from Calvary. If you remember, Jesus is making his final trip to Jerusalem. He's about to start the last 25 miles that will lead there to the cross of Calvary. Now, if you can, just imagine it. At this point, at that point, can you picture, can you really imagine all that is going on? Can you imagine just some 25 miles from the cross of Calvary, all that is going on? He is walking the path that will lead to the ultimate display of his rejection. He is walking the path that will end in his brutal death on the cross. Now, can you imagine each step as he makes that journey? At this point, at that point, can you imagine all that is being accomplished? And I'm not sure that we can really measure all that's coming together in God's sovereign plan, but understand as he is walking this path, he is walking the path that will lead to the crushing of the serpent's head. Genesis chapter three, verse 15. He is walking the path to deliver his people as the ark of their salvation pointed to in Genesis chapter seven. He is walking this path as the fulfillment to God's covenant that he makes with Abraham. Remember there in Genesis chapter 15 as as God goes between both sides of the sacrifice signifying that if I break the covenant, I will die and he's the only one that goes between and he's signifying that if, if you break the covenant, that I will die. Well, as he's going, he is faithful and Jesus is making these last steps. He is walking the path as the promised lamb of God pointed to in Genesis chapter 22. Remember there in verse eight, Abraham said, and God will provide for himself the lamb, my son. So the two of them walk on together. Can you imagine all that's being accomplished with each step? Can you imagine all the prophecies being fulfilled there in each step? Isaiah's suffering servant in each step is making the last miles of his suffering. Job's redeemer that liveth and that shall take his stand upon the earth in the last days, he is walking to the price of that redemption. Jeremiah's righteous branch who will reign as king is going to where they're gonna take a crown of thorns and press it into his brow in mockery. Daniel's ancient of days, the eternal judge, is walking to where he's gonna be judged by a mortal man. Can you imagine all that's taking place? Can you imagine all that's being accomplished as he takes these steps toward Jerusalem? Well, if you were Jesus, what would you say here? 25 miles from the altar, 25 miles from the cross of Calvary, what could you say 25 miles from the cross? Well, today, Jesus says to sinful men, men who are lost in their sin, you have your Savior. Today, we're gonna be in Luke chapter 19. We're gonna get the first 10 verses. Luke chapter 19, verses one through 10. You have your Savior. Luke chapter 19, again, verses one through 10. I'm gonna ask, if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Luke chapter 19, beginning here in the first verse. It says this. 
he entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and, and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. When they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He is gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone as, as of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. Verse 10, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and I'm thankful for you. We're thankful that you are good. We're thankful that you're gracious, that you're kind, that you're tender. Your tender mercies are new every day. We come today and we praise you for Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer. I pray now as we begin to study your word this morning that it would not be a normal event. It would not be a lecture. It would not be some classwork, but it would be a supernatural event where you speak through your living word. Lord, you tell us it's, it's living, it's active, it's sharper than a double-edged sword. I pray today that it's applied to our hearts, to our lives. I pray for some in this room that do not know Jesus Christ, that in the preaching of the gospel, that today might be the day of their salvation. I pray for us here who are believers that we would draw closer to you, that our walks would be deeper today, that we would be more obedient leaving this place than when we came in, and all of it would be for the glory of the living God. We praise you, Lord. We worship you, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. To see our picture, to hear Christ's declaration, let's move through the verses today. We're going to begin with verse 1. It says this. He entered Jericho and was passing through. A very simple verse. He entered Jericho and was passing through. Now, last time, as we ended chapter 18, it says that, that he was, in verse 35, approaching Jericho. Well, now, as we start chapter 19, the Bible says he has entered into Jericho and that he is passing through. So last time he is approaching, this time he's made it into Jericho and the Bible says he is passing through. Verse two, and there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. Now, I wanna stop right here for just a brief second. Zacchaeus is a Greek version of the Hebrew name that means innocent. His name means innocent. One translation says it means pure. Well, we're gonna see this man is anything but pure. He's anything but innocent, but I thought that was an important thing. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. 
He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Now let me set the context here. At this time, the Jewish people, they had been under Roman rule for about 60 years. During that time, they were under great oppression by the Roman people, by the Roman government. The greatest way of their oppression was through the tax system. Now really, it wasn't about conquering them. It was really about the money. The Roman senators would go to an auction and there they would buy the taxing rights to a region. And so these senators would go and they would hold an auction. They would have taxing rights to certain regions and they would buy the taxing rights to that region. Rome, the official government, would set a required tax and then the senator would collect it. And whatever was raised above the required part was theirs to keep. It was sort of like a franchise. It was a a tax franchise. And so they would buy this region and there would be a set amount of taxes that, that had to be raised. And whatever they raised above that would be their part. Well, very wisely, these Roman senators would hire or they would appoint local people and they would put them into the same system. They would have the required tax now of the senator and whatever they raised above that amount was theirs to keep. And then the trick to all of it was that the Roman government, and more than that, the Roman military would enforce it. And so you have all these people taking their taxes, and it was under the the enforcement of the Roman military. They could tax whatever they wanted, and the Roman military would enforce it. Well, these local tax collectors... Those that found themselves in this position, they were hated. They grew rich at the expense of their own people. And because of what they had done, they'd really turned upon their own people. They were were considered traitors. They were considered thieves. And the, the Jewish nation, the Jewish people, considered them as the lowest rung of human existence. Now, I don't know if we're that repulsed by the IRS, but they considered them the lowest rung of human existence. They were on the same level as a pagan devil worshiper or a prostitute. That's how they saw these tax collectors. Here in verse two, it says that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. So it means that he had several, if not many, working under him. And so he had local people working under him and he would get a cut of their taxes. Well, the Bible says this system had made this man Zacchaeus very, very rich. This is an exceedingly wealthy man. Now see this of Zacchaeus. And really we pull this out of the context. He may have been feared, but he was not loved. He may have had money, but he had no respect. He may have been well known, everybody knew who he was, but he had very few, if any, real friends. And he was of the richest of the class, but he was considered the lowest of the class. I think it's very interesting. Matthew, Levi, one of the 12, Matthew was also a tax collector. If you read in Luke chapter 5, we passed through that a while back, it says that he is called from the tax booth. He was also a tax collector. 
I think it is very interesting. In his gospel account, he is on this journey. He is with them at this point, but he leaves out this account of Zacchaeus. Now, I'm not sure why he does. I'm not sure if it's his story repeated again or if it's, if it's too close to home, but whatever the reason is, Matthew does not include the story of Zacchaeus. Listen to verse two again. <coughs> and there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Verse three. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd for he was small in stature. Zacchaeus, Bible says, was trying to see. It, it literally translates, he was seeking to see. He wanted to see. He couldn't see. He would like to see. And so he was seeking to see. He was trying to see. And the Bible says who Jesus was. But he was unable because of the crowd and because he was small in stature. Now see the picture here. Here comes Jesus. He's now traveled into Jericho and he's now moving through Jericho, passing through. And, and with him is this large crowd. And so here's this entourage and they're, they're with Jesus and they're traveling together. Some say it could have been as many as a thousand people. Can you imagine the, the crowd in the streets? And, and here comes the large crowd passing through. And as he comes through Jericho, this rich tax collector who for sure has heard about Jesus and has heard all the talk about Jesus and now who sees all of the commotion decides to see which one Jesus was. And very simply, he just wants to see, well, in this crowd, which one is Jesus? He wants to see Jesus. Now, the best that I can tell, it was just for the novelty of it. It was just for the curiosity of it. There's really no deep reason that he wanted to see Jesus other than it was a novelty, other than it's a, a curiosity. And here's the crowd, and he decides that he wants to see Jesus. He's, he's just curious. Sometimes I'll talk to somebody, and they'll say, you know what, I, I remember I saw Elvis in this city. And I saw Elvis in 1972 somewhere, or I, I saw Billy Graham in a crusade, or, or I saw John Wayne in a cafe, and it's just, it's just the curiosity of it. They, they were looking to see him. Well, in the same way, he wants to see who Jesus is. Verse four. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. Now, see the absurdity, see the craziness of this verse. Here, here is this rich man. Here is this man who has other people working under him. Here is this man who has military support. And here he is, and in, in the midst of all the chaos, he takes off and he runs ahead. And the Bible says he, he goes and he runs ahead of the crowd and he climbs up in a tree to see him. Now, do you see it? Here's, here's this wealthy man. He had the, the, the enforcement of the military behind him. He had all these people working for him. And here he is running ahead of the crowd and he climbs up into the tree. Verse five. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. For today I must stay at your house. Now stay with me. 
when Jesus gets to the place, when Jesus comes to the tree, the truth is, and I try to picture that, here he is and he comes to the place and, and here's all these people and here's the crowd and they're marching with him and there's the, the roar of the crowd and he looks up and he sees this little guy up in the tree. Can you imagine that? Here's this little guy up in the tree. Well, the Bible says that he looked up at him. So evidently, he didn't just get on a low branch. Evidently, the guy got up high enough that Jesus had to look up at him. So he looks up at him and he calls him by name. Now don't miss that. He calls the little guy in the tree by name. He's trying to get a peek at him. He calls him Zacchaeus. And he says, hurry and come down. It literally translates, make haste and come down. It means come down quickly. Come down with a, with a sense of urgency. For today I must stay at your house. It literally translates, it is necessary that I stay at your house. Why? Why Why was it necessary that he would stay at his house? He could have stayed anywhere. In fact, for that matter, he didn't have to stay anywhere. Why was it necessary? Zacchaeus hurriedly come down. It's necessary that I stay at your house. We're gonna see that and it's gonna have a great end to it. It is necessary, Zacchaeus, that I stay at your house. Verse six. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. Hurried is the, the same word. Made haste. He came down quickly. He hurried out of the tree. And it says, and he received him. He received Jesus gladly. Now get this. Gladly, I think maybe sometimes we, we, we're not put the heaviness of that understanding. In the Greek, it means this, with joy. It means joyfully. It means with rejoicing. Understand, he is rejoicing. I don't know how he comes out of the tree. Maybe he drops out of the tree, but he comes out of the tree and he receives Jesus with rejoicing. You see, here is this man and he is a crook and he's a thief and he's hated by everybody and he tries to act like his money mattered and he tried to act like his money made up for it all and he tried to act like he could somehow be satisfied with his position in life but he had no friends. He had no one that cared for him outside of the money that he could give him and however great that his life appeared, he was lonely in his life. He was hated in his life and however good that it seemed, it was a terrible terrible place to be, but now here comes along Jesus and he says, I'm coming to your house and he drops out of the tree and he receives him with joy. There's joy in his heart. Verse seven. When they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, he has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. When they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, he has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. When they saw it, it's talking about the crowd, it says they all began to grumble. They all began to grumble. Now, the Greek word for grumble there is to murmur. It means to buzz like a bee. 
There begins to be the buzz of bees. There, there is this murmur. He says, I'm gonna, I need to go to your house. And he jumps down and he's going to receive him gladly. And there begins to be a buzz across the crowd. There begins to be a murmur across the crowd. And they're saying he's going to be the guest of a sinner. He's going to be at the house of a sinner. Let me, let me put this in perspective for you. What they were saying, what the buzz was about, they were all saying, this guy's not good enough to meet Jesus. That's what it was about. This guy's not good enough to meet Jesus. He's a low life. He's a tax cheat. He's a thief. No way should this guy meet Jesus. And so there begins to be a murmur in the crowd. Maybe I should meet Jesus. Maybe they should meet Jesus. But no way should this guy meet Jesus. Let me put it in real perspective for us today. Listen very carefully. There's none of us not one of us good enough to meet Jesus. And you may be sitting here today and you may be rich and you may be esteemed and you may be powerful or not, but all of us on our own merits are not worthy to meet Jesus. Oh, but we like to buzz today. We like to talk about everybody else today. We like to murmur today. They're not good enough to meet Jesus. Verse eight. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. Verse 8 is an awesome verse. Verse 8 is a tremendous verse, a lot of deep meaning. Listen to that again. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. Notice here how awesome it is here in the eighth verse. Who stopped? They're making their way to his house. Zacchaeus stopped. Notice that. Zacchaeus is the one that stopped. See there, he says, Behold, Lord. Listen, he calls him Lord. He calls him Lord. He didn't call him Jesus of Nazareth. He doesn't call him Jesus. He doesn't call him anything else. He says, Lord. Zacchaeus stops in his tracks and he says, Lord. Now see the change here. Half of my possessions I give to the poor. Now see the change. Half of my possessions I give to the poor. Now, when I read that at first glance, I wondered this, why not all of it? Half of my possessions, you're exceedingly rich. Why not all of it? He's not done. Listen to this. If, in the Greek, it's in the positive sense, it assumes it to be true. He says, if I've defrauded anyone, I will give them back four times as much. Now, I want you to understand this. If I have defrauded anyone, He's defrauded everyone. And he says, I'm gonna give them back four times as much. I want you to understand the depth of this. This is gonna break him. This is gonna change everything in his life. Get this, Zacchaeus has met Jesus and there's a joy in his heart. He's now called him Lord and so there's a change in his heart and he says, I turn to you, I repent from this. They can have it all because I have Jesus. Walks off from it. Listen and see this. 
this short guy from the tree on the parade route, this short guy there up in the branches of the tree, the unlikeliest of all sinners, just got saved. Did you see that in verse eight? He repented. He called Jesus Lord. There's a joy in his heart. There's a change in his heart. This little guy in the tree, he just got saved. Verse nine. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. It's necessary that I go to your house. I need to go to your house. Why are you coming to my house? Because today salvation has come to this house. Because he too is a son of Abraham. He was a sinner worse than a prostitute. He was a sinner worse than a pagan. No way can he be a son of Abraham. No way is he fit to enter into the kingdom of God. No way should he have fellowship with the holy God. No way. That's what they're thinking. Look at chapter 18. I'm gonna read this to you. Chapter 18, verses 24 through 27. I want you to see what's just happened. And Jesus looked at him and said, how Hard is it for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. I want to tell you something. A camel can't go through the eye of a needle. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. They who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, the things that are impossible with people are possible with God. Listen to me, did you catch it here? The impossible has just become possible and a rich man just got saved. That's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. That is awesome. Listen, that's awesome. You can't go too far away from God that you can't be saved. You can't be so deep in sin that you can't be saved. That's awesome. Listen, that's awesome. But it's not the point. It is the setup for the point. Here's the point. Point is this. Verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Friends, you want to know the point? Here's the point. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. 25 miles from Calvary, using the backdrop of an unlikely man that just got saved. Jesus is going to give us, I believe, one of the greatest pictures of our Savior. You see, listen to me, hear me. It is Jesus as the Savior that makes all the difference to me. It is Jesus as the Savior that makes all the difference to you. You see, he is God. He always has been. He's eternally God, but I need a Savior. He's the creator of all things. All things were created through him. That's awesome. He's the creator, but I want to tell you, I need a Savior. He's the king. He's the king of glory, but I need a Savior. And so it is as the Savior. Listen, it is as the Savior that he's born in Bethlehem. 
And remember the angels proclaimed today in the city of David has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It is as the Savior that he leads a life with no sin that he will be able to save us. It is as the Savior that he, that he makes these last 25 uphill miles. It is as the Savior, my Savior, that he's whipped across the back. It is as a Savior that he's nailed to the cross. Alas, and did my Savior bleed? It is as the Savior that God's wrath towards sin is poured out upon him. And as the sun goes dark, it is as the Savior that he says, it is finished. And it is as the Savior that he breathes his last. And now here, 25 miles from the cross, Jesus describes this Savior. Look at the verse. Here we go. For the Son of Man. For the Son of Man. Son of Man is a messianic title. Son of Man is a title given to Christ, given to the Messiah. Listen to Daniel chapter 7. Verses 13 and 14. I kept looking into the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming, and he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the people's nations and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is everlasting, dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Listen to me, this Messiah, the Son of Man, he has been given dominion. That means authority to rule, and that authority to rule is everlasting. He has glory. He has the kingdom, and the kingdom will not end. All the nations and all the peoples will serve him. That is our Savior. That's our Savior. It says, for the Son of Man has come. For the Son of Man has come. Be sure and notice he has come. Jesus says the Son of Man has come. It is a finished fact. Listen, we're no longer waiting for him to come. We're no longer looking for him to come. We're no longer hoping that he might come. He has come and he's come in the person of Jesus Christ. The Son of Man has come. For the Son of Man has come to seek. In the Greek, it means to desire for. I like that. To desire for. It means to search for. It means to search with the intent to find. Now listen, our Savior came in the person of Jesus Christ to seek, to desire for, to seek with an intent to find. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save, and to save. Notice he didn't just come to seek, he didn't just come to find, but also he came to save. He came to, see, to seek and to save. The root word is the word sozo. It means to preserve. It means to rescue. Listen, it means to deliver out of danger and to deliver into safety. It literally means to make well.
to make well. Look at the verse again. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save, the last part, that which was lost. That which was lost. It translates as this, away from, cut off from. It literally translates perishing or ruined. Perishing or ruined. See this today. 25 miles from the altar of Calvary. 25 miles from the cross of Calvary. The Lamb of God, Jesus, tells us the greatest paradox of all time. He reveals to us the greatest irony ever portrayed, and that is the Son of Man who has dominion, the Son of Man who has glory, the Son of Man who has the kingdom, and the kingdom will not end. He has come to seek and to save those who've rebelled against him, those who've tarnished his name, those who've rejected his kingdom, the Son of Man possessing all dominion and all glory in the kingdom. He's come to the cross of Calvary, and in grace and in love, he dies for sinful man. And that is the picture of our Savior, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's our Savior. That's our Savior. Praise God, that's our Savior. Friends, we need a Savior. 25 miles from the cross, Jesus tells us of himself, you have your Savior. Praise God. Praise God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come. And we and I am astounded as such a Savior who possessing all dominion, who possessing all glory, who possessing a kingdom that he sat on the throne as the king that would not end, that he comes. He walks a road to the cross in grace and in mercy and love to save sinners. Praise our Savior. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you. Lord, we come and I pray if there's one here that does not know Jesus as their Savior, then maybe they know him as a great teacher. Maybe they know him as a figure in history. Maybe they know him as a controversial figure, but, but they need to understand he's our Savior. He comes the Son of Man, that we might be saved. I pray that in the preaching of the gospel and the stirring of your spirit in their heart today, they might be saved. Lord, I pray for us here today who are followers of Christ, that we leave with a renewed picture of Jesus Christ, our Savior. We praise you, we worship you, we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.